0: Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews, with your host, Aaron Martell. Hello there, I'm Aaron Martell, and welcome to Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews, a podcast where I talk about and review a rock album of my choice. Today I'm flying solo, no co-pilots, but if you're listening and you're interested in coming on the show to review an album with me, I'm always on the lookout for co-pilots to host the podcast with me. There are a few ways to get in touch with me, which I'll go over at the end of the show. So on this week's episode, I'm taking a request from Podbean listener, the teen guitarist, and he picked Oasis' 1995 album, What's the Story, Morning Glory. In the mid 90s, I was still navigating through the grunge scene and the bands associated with that, even though that era was winding down by that point. I completely ignored the whole Britpop movement, so all those bands, including Oasis, went right over my head. I was vaguely aware of the song Wonderwall because it was on the radio, but at the time I really wasn't listening to the radio much anymore, so basically I was unfamiliar with Oasis and its music. I didn't even know who any of the Britpop bands were, to be honest. So I'd heard of Oasis, of course, but I couldn't care less about them, and if it wasn't for this podcast, I may never have explored any of their music at all. So this is new territory for me, but I've listened to the album plenty of times and done a little research, so I feel I can give a proper review of it. Okay, the teen guitarist, I know you've waited a while for this podcast, so this one's for you. Now I'll give you some basic facts about this record. Brought to you by Wikipedia. One Nation Under Wiki. What's the Story, Morning Glory is the second studio album by English rock band Oasis, released on October 2, 1995 by Creation Records. It was produced by Owen Morris and Noel Gallagher, and was recorded in March 1995 as well as May through June 1995 at Rockfield Studios, Monmouth, Wales. It reached number one on the UK Albums Chart... And number four on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart and is certified 14 times platinum by the BPI and four times platinum by the RIAA. Now here's the band's lineup card. We have Liam Gallagher on lead vocals and tambourine, his brother Noel Gallagher on lead and acoustic guitar, bass guitar, piano, Mellotron, and Ebo, Paul Bonehead Arthurs on rhythm and acoustic guitar, piano, mellotron, and melodica. Paul McWegan on bass guitar, and Alan White on drums and percussion. Now I'm going to get into a track by track analysis of this album. Leading things off is Hello, written by Noel Gallagher, Gary Glitter, and Mike Leander. And it's never gonna be- a hard-rocking opening tune. I guess I'm so ignorant of Oasis, I didn't realize they were a guitar band. The sound is heavy, distorted guitars and an insistent boom, boom, boom rhythm that reminds me of Gary Glitter's music. And in the bridge, before the song finishes, Oasis directly lifts a passage from the Gary Glitter song, Hello, Hello, I'm Back Again. The melodies are catchy, and it's clear that Noel Gallagher is conscious of putting pop hooks in the music. I read that Liam Gallagher's voice has been described as a cross between John Lennon and Johnny Rotten, and I'm inclined to agree it's got a snotty nasal quality. Liam was obsessed with John Lennon, even going so far as to naming his son Lennon, so I bet he must have loved the comparison. The lyrics to me are about a relationship or something meaningful that has ended, and accepting that fact and moving on with your life. Though I didn't know what to expect when I first put it on, I actually dig this track. The next track is Roll With It. Written by Noel Gallagher. You gotta loud pop rock tune with more sharp hooks. Noel's clearly writing this music to get radio play and get listened to. There's nothing earth-shattering or original about it, but it's well-constructed songcraft. Liam's voice suits the material well, and I detect Beatles-like background vocals and harmonies. The lyrics are similar to the first track in that you need to follow your own path in life despite the naysayers or any other obstacles that might get in your way. This was the second single released from this album, and it reached number two on the UK Singles Chart. This song is famous for highlighting what was known as the Battle of Britpop. It was released on the same day that Oasis' biggest rivals, Blur, released their single Country House. For a couple of years there, Blur vs. Oasis was a big deal in the UK, as it pitted the artsy middle class Blur against the working class Oasis, and the bands took shots at each other in the press, which fanned the flames. Blur beat Oasis that first week in the charts, but it was a case of Oasis losing the battle but winning the war, since they ended up becoming a much bigger band, especially worldwide outside of the UK. I like this track too, and it's a good start to the album. Continuing on, we get Wonderwall, written by Noel Gallagher.
1: Because baby
0: This is the song I'd heard before, but only in passing. I didn't really know it. The sound is mostly acoustic guitars, with some piano and mellotron thrown in, and Alan White does play an interesting drum pattern. This one is sonically softer and more sensitive, though Liam still delivers the vocals the same way as the rockers, and I'm wondering if he only has, like, one singing style. The lyrics are about that one person you just can't stop thinking about, your crush. It's a love song. I do love the line, I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do. Noel said he wrote it for the woman who would eventually become his first wife, but after they divorced, he backpedaled and said it was about an imaginary friend who's going to save you from yourself. Bullshit, Noel. The Gallagher brothers were famous for being arrogant douchebags, but they spent as much time fighting with each other as they do the media, and as I'm looking back on it with an open-minded, no preconceived notions or nostalgia, this shit amuses me to no end. This was the fourth single from the album, and it was a big hit, number two in the UK and number eight in the US. I get why it's popular, but it doesn't really grab me, and it's one of the tunes on here I don't care so much for. We move on now to Don't Look Back in Anger, written by Noel Gallagher. takes a stab at lead vocals and he does an okay job, though in my opinion Liam is the superior vocalist in this group and they got that right. It starts with a piano that sounds suspiciously like John Lennon's Imagine. Noel never tried to hide his influences and wears them right on his sleeve. Oasis owes a giant debt to the Beatles and Noel has acknowledged that. The title of this song is in reference to the David Bowie song Look Back in Anger and this is sort of a response to that. The lyrics seem to be about an ex-girlfriend, Sally, and that they both need to move on and not dwell on the past. There's a ho-hum guitar solo, as well as some Mellotron, that adds to the drama of the song, and I do like the so Sally can wait chorus hook. I do like this song. Apparently, the UK goes bugshit for this track, as it was the fifth single and number one in the UK, while it made only number 55 in the US. It was also prominently featured after the Manchester Arena bombing in May 2017, claiming 22 victims. And as Oasis is for Manchester, this song was used to help the healing process so respect. The following track is Hey Now, written by Noel Gallagher. This is a slow, plodding hard rocker with heavy slide guitar and more Mellotron. Liam's back at the mic, and this time he seems to be singing about how he and the band are now famous and trying to deal with it, trying not to feel guilty about it and reconcile it with their past and their background when they were unknowns. It's okay. It's just a basic album track. It doesn't blow me away, but it doesn't suck either. It does keep the album progressing. Next up is Untitled Version 1, written by Noel Gallagher. This is a quick, bluesy, instrumental interlude, and it's interesting only because Paul Weller from the Jam and the Style Council plays harmonica on it. It's completely unnecessary, and though this will be a bit of a cop-out, it is an official track on the record, so I'm calling it Aaron's Stinky Stinker. Moving on, we get Some Might Say, written by Noel Gallagher. I dig this one. The melodies are sharp and the hooks sink into my skin. It's a loud, dirty guitar rock song with Oasis' typical pop elements, very influenced by T-Rex and the small faces. The drums on this track are played by Oasis' original drummer, Tony McCarroll, the only track he's featured on. What I pull from these lyrics is that certain people might have opinions on all different aspects of life, but there's always the other side of the story, and other folks might see things differently. It depends on how you look at the situation. This was the first single and hit number one in the UK, and if it was even released in America, it didn't chart. The next track is Cast No Shadow, written by Noel Gallagher. that this was written for Noel's friend Richard Ashcroft, formerly of The Verve, and that it's about having something to say and being frustrated in trying to express it, that it's difficult to come up with something meaningful. Sonically, it's a change of pace, with acoustic and slide guitars. It has a forlorn downer feel to it, accented by the mellotron strings and background vocals. It's got good lyrics and a decent melody. It's well sung by Liam. It's not a hit, but it's a good tune. I can dig it. So let's continue with She's Electric, written by Noel Gallagher. This is totally Beatles inspired from the light bouncy rhythm, acoustic guitars and clean electric guitars and very nice background vocals and harmonies. I find myself bopping my head to it. Listening to Liam's vocals, it shows me how limited his range is. When he reaches for the higher notes, it doesn't quite get there, but it still works. The lyrics are a little twisted. Liam's got a girlfriend, but it seems like he's playing around with other members of her family, including her sister, cousin and possibly even her mother, though the brother doesn't like him. You can't take these lyrics seriously, as the vibe of the song is lighthearted and joking. It's obviously not a major track and is filler, but fuck, it's lighthearted fluff and it's fun. And now we come to the title track, Morning Glory, written by Noel Gallagher. The initial guitar riff sounds a lot like The One I Love by R.E.M., but sped up a bit and much more distorted and heavy, pushing the song and giving it momentum. The lyrics seem to be about drug addiction, all your dreams are made when you're chained to the mirror and a razor blade, and then waking up to try to pull yourself out of it. Liam's vocals are pushed a little back in the mix, and this makes the song this huge tidal wave of noisy sound right in your face. I dig the chorus, well, what's the story, morning glory? And it's the hardest rocking song and one of the better tracks for me on this record. The penultimate track, such as it is, is Untitled Version 2, written by Noel Gallagher. It's a sound collage of White Noise, a faded piece of the untitled version one from earlier in the record, and Ocean Waves. Again, inconsequential, but it does serve as an introduction to the final track, and that final track is Champagne Supernova, written by Noel Gallagher. This is easily my favorite track on the album by far. It's the most ambitious and grandiose track and the longest at 7 minutes 28 seconds. It features an e on it, an electronic device that makes the guitar sound like a bow is being drawn across the strings. There's also a melodica prominent in the verses and at the very end of the song. Paul Weller appears again and contributes lead guitar and backing vocals. The chorus is soaring and majestic and I couldn't get the fucking thing out of my head for days. Then there are the lyrics, which I don't have a friggin' clue what they mean, and I don't think even Noel Gallagher knows. They sound good, and the imagery conjures up the Beatles again for me, something surreal or psychedelic. Everyone and their grandmother picks on the line, slowly walking down the hall, faster than a cannonball. Yeah, pretty stupid. It makes no sense. But who cares? It's supposed to evoke a mood, and it does that well. It occurs to me now that throughout the podcast, I haven't mentioned bass player Paul McGuigan and rhythm guitarist Paul Bonehead-Arthurs, who also plays the melodica on this track. There, I just mentioned them. This is a sweeping and epic closer to the album, and I fucking love it. This was the sixth and last single that reached number one on the U.S. Alternative Songs chart, but was not released as a single in the U.K. I do not understand that. Now that the track-by-track is done, I'll go into my final thoughts and album rating. For you new listeners, the rating is a 0-5 system, with 5 being a favorite album of mine, all the way down to a 0, which is the worst album ever made. Now I'm going to be honest, I was not fired up when we got the request to do this record. I didn't know anything about Oasis or Britpop, I had no interest in Oasis, and if it wasn't for this podcast, I may never have really listened to any Oasis music. But I gotta say, I was pleasantly surprised with this, and it just shows off my own ignorance. It came out in the mid-90s, which for me at the time was a no-man's land for music, and I didn't pay much attention to what was happening outside of my limited listening palette. Plus, even though I didn't know Oasis music, I had heard of the band, and from my limited knowledge, they always came across to me as snarky, arrogant pricks, and they still come across that way to this day. But I have a new respect for Oasis now, Doesn't necessarily mean I'm a fan or that I'm going to investigate them further, but I now know that they were not a shit band. I can even respect that the Gallagher brothers say what they're really thinking, and they do not give a shit who gets offended, including each other. I've seen YouTube clips of their trash-talking and arguing, and for the most part, I find it hilarious. But we're talking about this album, and overall, I find it an enjoyable listen. It's highly derivative of 1960s influences, and Noel Gallagher may or may not be as good a songwriter as he thinks he is, but these tracks are catchy and do what pop songs are supposed to do. Grab the ear and burrow in. None of these musicians are stellar players from what I can gather, but it doesn't need to be. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And Champagne Supernova is phenomenal. I give What's the Story Morning Glory a three. It hasn't converted me into one of the faithful, But hey, the team guitarist, I'm glad you requested this record. It's pretty damn good. Holy shitballs, Batman, we finally got iTunes reviews. Two of them, all right. The first is a five-star review from Sam underscore Eat Six String, referencing our Doors Strange Days episode, and he writes, I love this podcast, and I love the Doors. This album is better than their first, in my opinion. The Sibs are always knowledgeable and have interesting insight Can't wait for the next one. Thanks, Sam. Sam, thanks so much for listening, and thanks for the review. Down the line, there will definitely be part three of Opening the Doors. The second five-star review comes from Former Ump, and he writes, Stumbled across this podcast, and I'm happy I did. First off, the interaction between you and your sister is awesome. I can't imagine any one of my sisters and I talking about music in the same way. Although they were all teenagers when the Beatles and the Doors were releasing their albums. Secondly, I love The Doors, and have since the 1980s, when the book No One Here Gets Out Alive was published. I've read that too, and so has Shannon. And the famous cover of the Rolling Stone magazine declaring, He's hot, he's sexy, and he's dead headline came out. I actually bought that from a convenience store when it came out. Looking forward to when you cover Morrison Hotel and L.A. Woman. Thank you for this entertaining podcast. I went back and listened to quite a few of your older podcasts, and I discovered a kindred ship in our musical tastes. Van Halen's Fair Warning podcast sealed the deal on that. P.S. I listen to the Duran Duran 7 and the Ragged Tiger podcast and only have one issue with it. I have quite a few musician friends, as I'm sure your sister and her husband do as well, and they all recognize the brilliant bass playing of John Taylor. Well, see that? I didn't know that. And if I make mistakes, which, you know, I will do on this podcast, call me out on it. I have no problem with that. He's far from underrated in their eyes. P.P.S. When are you going to tackle the Rolling Stones? So many quality albums to choose from. Beggars, Let It Bleed, Sticky Fingers, Exile, Goats, Some Girls, Tattoo You. Looking forward to hearing your takes on those. First of all, thanks former ump for listening and leaving such a great review. The Rolling Stones, huh? Fuck yeah, we're going to cover the Stones. They're in my top five bands of all time, and we've got plans for them. Keep listening. And to all the listeners out there, we'd love to have the iTunes reviews keep on coming. We appreciate each and every one of you, and the iTunes reviews makes us more visible to other potential listeners. So thanks again for all the support. And that's going to do it for this episode. You can find this podcast at places like iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Google Play, and Spotify. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review of it. If you take the time to do that, I'll read your review right here on the show like I just did. If you'd like to contact me directly, I can be reached at RidiculousRockRecords at gmail.com and also on the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews Facebook page, where there's a link to hear each podcast. You can also review the show on Facebook if you'd prefer to do it that way. And yes, I'll read your Facebook review on the podcast. You want to come on the podcast and talk about an album with me? Shoot me an email. We'll set it up. I'm always looking for co-pilots to host the show with me, and I would also welcome any requests or suggestions for albums to cover, like the teen guitarist just did for this episode. Feel free to leave all of your feedback, comments, reviews, and or suggestions at any of those places I just described. I'd love to hear from you. And lastly, here at R4, we thank you so much for giving this podcast a listen, and a massive thank you if you like and support the show. Take care, and I'll catch you later.
1: to be known as the Battle of Britpop, and the the Battle of Britpop, like it's some kind of war thing. We've got the troops coming in from Blur, and they're going to be taking on, oh, they're reaching the battlefield, they're taking on the troops of Oasis, oh my god, oh, they're fighting each other, oh, they're falling down like flies, oh my goodness, all the fans are littered across the battlefield, oh, the humanity, oh, it's horrible, it's horrible, oh, somebody,